This program is brought to you by Juul, sous vide by Chef Steps. Juul takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, our weekly food news roundup. Fall is finally here, so it's time to get funky and devote an episode to some of our favorite spunky microbes. Fungi just provide this beautiful, whimsical lens on how the world works. They have so many roles. They're this strange and magical-seeming group of organisms, but they've got it all figured out. Should you eat the cheese rind? Can you eat the rind? These are like the biggest questions. We'll answer all of your questions about mysterious mushrooms and crazy curds. Plus, we'll give you a sneak listen to the newest season of Modernist Breadcrumbs. So tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to a recommended reading with Food Book Fair. I'm Amanda Dell, your host today. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, Kimberly, is not with us today, but we're sending her only the best vibes because she's working on an incredible event, which will be happening this evening, the Just Food Gala. Uh, There's definitely still a couple tickets available, so head over to justfood.org. Check out their amazing lineup for tonight's gala and support them if you can. And Kim, we know you're here with us in spirit. Again, you are listening to Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair. We're broadcasting today live from a shipping container inside of Roberta's Pizza (laughs) at Heritage Radio. We have such a great show for you today. It's so, so exciting. Um, We are here with Nicole Ponseca and Miguel Trinidad. They are the trailblazing restaurateurs behind East Village Filipino favorites. Wow. <laughs> That's nice. Maharlika. Yes, very good. <laughs> Nicole was coaching me on my pronunciation. <laughs> and Jipney. So it's we're gonna definitely talk about that and talk about some restaurant stuff and talk to you know about who knows with these two, but (laughs) the major reason that we're here is we are celebrating their brand new book. Oh, wow. (laughs) I am a Filipino. So it's going to be birthed into the world officially on November 9th. Yeah, the baby was delayed. (laughs) Doesn't want to come out of its womb. (laughs) No, But, uh, you know, I have a copy. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Uh, very much, the and book I fairies, loved. Yes. Yeah, the book fairies delivered one to me a little early. Um, so yeah, I was. Without further ado, I will officially welcome Nicole and Miguel to the show. <sighs> yeah, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> see, okay, we don't. We see. We don't even need sound effects because Nicole is here to do them for us. Okay. Well, I'm. I'm so a, welcome. Thank you. I'm a little obsessed with uh, ASMR. So these mics, do you know what ASMR is? No. Oh really? God. You don't know anything it's about it? It's all that. about talking like this. And oh, then it's kind of creepy. And then you just 
Oh, yeah. The radio station would hate that. <laughs> they would really hate that. Okay, okay, yeah. X-Nay on the ASMR. But oh, okay. We learned s- something new. Yes. If you go on um, Instagram and hashtag ASMR, you're going to be bombarded by a barrage of people talking like this and eating. And it's really odd. But anyway, so. Sounds calming. <laughs> it is. So, well, thank you yeah, for having us course. here. Well, congratulations yeah. on your book. And congratulations, Miguel. So thank exciting. You. Thank you. Thank you. We know how much work it takes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And I have to give it up to all the writers out there in any capacity that has a deadline or where you (laughs) are um, part of a collaborative uh, effort that you are responsible for deadlines and materials. So kudos to everyone who's part of the process. And thank you to, thank you, thank you, thank you to Artisan Books for um, for being so patient. Yes. And our editor, Judy (laughs) Pray. Thank you. Thank you. So. Yeah. Love giving a shout out to the team and yeah. again, know how much work it takes. Yeah. Um, so even in Kim's absence, I thought we would stick to our show format a little bit and talk a little bit about what we're recommending, what we're reading, watching or listening to that we're really vibing on these days. Mm. I'll share a very quick one. And then I'll get to Nicole and Miguel's. And then after a quick break, we'll really dive into talking all things Filipino food, the book, restaurant life, New York life, Brown anything. People. Brown people. Yes. Cool. That's, that will be telepathically transported. <laughs> Those vibes will be transported through this microphone. Um, well, I'll just share a super short one, which if anyone listens to this show, and if you do, thank you, um, which is, uh, which would be no surprise. It's about the cut New York magazines, uh, fashion vertical. Nicole, do you yeah, read it? So good. It's really so good. Cause it just feels like they're just like right inside your brain yeah. and you always want to click on their headlines. Yeah, totally. Anyway, they started their own podcast called The Cut on Tuesdays. Oh, not another one. Now I know. Get part of the I know. You got to put it in your queue. Yeah. Um, I'm behind. I've only started to listen to the first episode, but it was uh, all about power. And Oh, because New York Magazine recently did that issue, yes, Power and Women, yes. right, right? And The Cut's editor, uh, Stella Bugby, actually came on the show to speak. It's hosted by... I wrote this down. It's hosted by Molly Fisher. I thought she was really excellent. And the one line that I I took away from it, well, there's two things I took away from it. One, the beginning when Molly was kind of introducing the episode, it it read a little bit like a cut article. Mm. So clearly I was drawn into that. And then, um, yeah, one kind of line that they chose to dive into this issue of power was uh, power versus empowered. And it kind of, that gave me a little... You know, it gave me pause to really think about those two words and and what they mean. So I definitely added the cut to my cue, the cut podcast, and I encourage everyone else to do the same. And that's my recommend for today. Cool. So I'm going to get to, okay, so (laughs) Nicole's pointing at Miguel and he's furiously typing (laughs) to get his (laughs) recommendations ready. So without further ado, Miguel Trinidad again, welcome to the show. Thank you again for having us. the chef and co-author of the book. So let's get to your recommended reading or watching or listening to. Well, the recommended reading is this book called American Prison by Shane Bauer. Okay. Sounds serious. It it is serious. And we met him (laughs) at the Texas Book Fair. 
oh, wow. book festival, and he was telling us about his book. And okay. he basically went undercover for three months in a prison down south, uh, got paid $9 an hour to get all this information about privatized prisons. And the stories, I don't want to spoil anything, that he was telling us was pretty insane. I mean, I was just fascinated by everything he had to say, and I had to pick up the book right away. I started reading it. I haven't been able to put it down. Wow. I can imagine it's really telling and probably really, like, shocking and sad. and Sad, surprising, uh, shocking, yeah. uh, the dynamics between the prisoners and the prison guards. Uh, again, I don't want to give anything yeah. away, but it is pretty riveting. Okay, and, and the title of that again is? American Prison by Shane Bauer. Okay. We'll pick it up. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nicole's, I, I, we're, we're anxiously awaiting. Oh my gosh, I cannot, well, you said I could do. You can do anything. Okay, it doesn't so. have to, and yeah. All right, so um, I am very obsessed with A Star is Born. <laughs> Okay. Have you seen it? No. Are you ready to I'm, cry? I'm Are really you? failing. Like, I didn't know what ASMR was, which was an early recommendation. And now, okay, I haven't seen A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, I, I also have called it A Co-Star is Born, because I think that there's some <laughs> uh, gender issues when it comes to the portrayal of the of um, the main characters. But when I set aside politics, it really is such a well-done movie. And kudos to Cooper, Coops. For writing, directing, producing, singing. I mean, he nailed it. He There's so many nuances and themes and heartache and uh, relationship woes and beauty. I mean, I could go on and on about it. And I think that they really captured it in a way that uh, I, I think, I hope it sweeps because the, Gaga, to be able to release her persona and, and embody a character... I think that's hard for someone like Gaga or we've seen it with Madonna. It's hard to like exit who your persona is and totally embody something else and and still be authentic to what you are as an actor. So I, I, I really could go on. I knew walking into the film and even having the credits roll in that my life would change. I know it's a movie, (laughs) but I think art has that capacity, whether it's a book, a film, a piece of uh, a, a painting or, you know, performance art, that's the point that it can help change you. And it really transformed. I think I really have a, a before and an after of a coast. I mean, a star is born. So I'm listening to that also and obsessed with uh, Lucas Nelson, who helped uh, write the music. OK, wow. So the soundtrack is collaborative like it's all different artists or uh, it's mostly it's gaga gaga it's okay. gaga and cooper actually coops um okay could you elaborate on uh, yeah on. so uh, i think he'd been working on this film since he was 38 and originally was supposed to be with clint eastwood hmm. as the director and actually beyonce and it, it as entertainment properties go and creative projects it, it took a turn one way or the other and he kept with it and i think he became more seasoned. I think he's 42 and has certainly had heartache and understands the process of filmmaking. And the soundtrack itself is Bradley Cooper and Gaga and other producers like um, 
his name escapes me right now, but he is a prolific producer with like Bruno Mars and yeah, he's, I forget his name, but it's also quite collaborative with Lucas Nelson, who's the son of Willie Nelson. Oh, has I'm a, learning yeah, so much dude, today. Yo, it's I like, need to see it. I'll it, see it this weekend. It has a great country undertone that I haven't heard or hmm. been involved with since like the early 80s when pop music was this amalgamation of synthesized and country and pop. So I, it, I cannot talk more highly about it so i recommend it okay yeah, yeah. that's such an emphatic <laughs> enthusiastic yeah. recommend yeah. so we'll so. definitely have to check it out anything else on your nightstand or um, your, in your music my your... my my readings yeah. right now one is um dear america by jose antonio vargas okay who gonna... also wrote the foreword yeah. to the book and it's his memoir and thoughts on his life, how we he got here, uh, he's undocumented, he is provocative, he pokes holes, he's compassionate, he's raw and vulnerable, and it's a, it's a, it's a national bestseller, and uh, yeah, I can't, I, that, it's also like I, I'm a very passionate person, so I'm all in about something, or I'm like, meh. Right, right, know? okay, I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm obsessed with Goop podcast and super oh the Goop so- podcast yeah okay Goop podcast and um, soul conversations with Oprah yeah sometimes <laughs> two yeah. that I haven't listened to yeah so that's it yeah. yeah okay those are great one last thing I'll ask before we take a quick break and get to the talking about the book mm. is where what what I love to ask my guests sometimes is where do they read do you read before bed. Do you read on the weekend? Wow. Where is your physical place that you love to read? That is a really good question. <laughs> Doesn't have to be one answer. Yeah. Uh, Do you save it for trips? Oh, God, I'm not good with options because I could go on. But I, uh, <laughs> I, I love corner nooks. I like being okay. tucked in. Um, usually it's, yeah, whenever we can find time. I can't speak for Miguel, but yeah. our lives are, it's a... Uh, crazy with work and stuff yeah. but um it, it's uh, meditative it's a it's an yeah. escapism so okay. mostly it's my environment if i i could literally be in a cave but if i'm in a cushy corner of a chair i could i'm so happy yeah with your book yeah okay yeah that reminds me of something we talk about a lot when we talk about some of our favorite cookbooks which i definitely thought about when i was looking at i am filipino mm-hmm. is sometimes a cookbook is something that you can read in bed and curl up with and you don't necessarily have to cook out of it all the time. You can really just view it as a pleasurable experience to look through it mm-hmm. and not always treat it as a utility of a cookbook. And that's what some of our favorite cookbooks do. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. I think I think there's probably many people that will do that with your book. I hope so. Definitely. Or Miguel, where's I need a mental image. Where are you reading most? Uh in the shower. No. <laughs> that sounds challenging. I read in the bath. <laughs> oh. That's like a super, like we only invite superhumans on this show who can, whose books never get wet. <laughs> I do read in the bath, Yay. but I'll read in bed uh, okay. before going to bed okay. and in the morning, sometimes when I wake up. Mm. Uh, yes. And in the office and subway. Okay. So Taking it old school. Taking it old school. Yeah. Even with that Wi-Fi. I think it's really the downfall of life in New York is that Wi-Fi on the subway. But that's just me. I'm a lifelong New Yorker, so used to give you that respite of being able to be like, I'm on the train. Yeah. You know, and now that doesn't exist. Right. And you get less reading done. But But, would, but more are podcasts. you still hard copy or digital? I only read hard copies, really. I have like 
internet-based reading, like the cut that I love, and I'll read some stuff on the New York Times, but I have to read a book and have that actual book. Because I'm nerdy like that. Um, <laughs> Shout out to the nerds. Totally. Libraries, quiet. Yeah, I'm all for it. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we need to take a very short break, and then we will be back with authors Nicole Fonseca and Miguel Trinidad. They have a brand new book, I Am Filipino, out, and we're here to talk about that and hopefully so much more so we will just take a short break if you have a moment definitely visit heritageradionetwork.org we are a member supported nonprofit radio station so if you can become a member head over to heritageradionetwork.org and support us we'll be back in a few This program is brought to you by Jewel Sous Vide. My name is Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of HRN and a real-life Jewel user. I use Jewel to help me host the most delicious dinner parties. When you cook with Jewel, there's zero guesswork. So steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The Paired app is super intuitive and has a great visual dentist guide. Jewel is awesome for prepping many perfect portions making it easy to cook for a crowd, and it's hands-free so you can focus on entertaining while Jewel does the work. And pro tip, Jewel is also great for travel. I throw mine in my suitcase if I'm headed to a rental house with any kind of uncertain kitchen. From perfect steak to juicy, tender Thanksgiving turkey, Jewel makes the best food you've ever tasted. Just be sure to save some room for mini jars of pumpkin pie. Jewel, perfect food every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash jewel and use code HRN, as in Heritage Radio Network, to get $15 off for a limited time. That's chefsteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN. Welcome back. You are listening to Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair. I'm Amanda Dell. I am joined in the studio today with Nicole Ponseca and Miguel Trinidad. They are the restaurateurs behind East Village favorites. I can say that because I live in the East Village. Wow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maharlika and Jipney. Um, and they have a brand new book that has is just coming out very, very shortly. It's called I Am Filipino. I am a, a Filipino. Filipino. Yeah. I am a Filipino. Yeah. And it's a beautiful book. It's colorful. There's amazing essays in it. There's all your essential ingredients to start cooking Filipino food or continue if you do already. And I really 
can't say enough good things about it. Um, I hope everyone picks it up. You can definitely go on Amazon and pre-order or wait and support your local independent bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> what are local independent bookstores that you would recommend? Oh, my gosh. Um, my favorite, I have a couple. <laughs> um, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, if you're in Williamsburg or Greenpoint, I would, my f- top pick would be, without a doubt, Archistratus Books. Yes. She will, Paige Lapari, the proprietress of Archistratus, will, without a doubt, have this book. She's a good friend. Okay, yeah, she is really, really rad. Um, in you know, uh, in Cobble Hill, I love. Um, oh my God, I can't believe I'm blanking Gosh, on the it? name of Green Light. Well, Green Light's a great bookstore, yeah. and then <laughs> this is really actually horribly embarrassing. Um, it is run by a writer, Emma. Straub. Okay. And it's an amazing bookstore. And guys, sorry, I have to Google it. Yeah, no, it's we gonna, have to give a shout out. Yeah, we to need to give a shout out. And we, Kim and I, got to do like tell a funny story there as part of an event. So, sorry, this is, uh, sorry, we're having a bad book brain right now. So, we um, like Greenlight, which is in the Fort Greene mm-hmm. area. And then in the Lower Arc- East Side. Yeah, there's I mean, there's Blue Stockings. Would they, is that an independent? Uh, yeah. And they also, um, you know, we love like the old, you know, strand. Yes. Like they always have everything. And, uh, in your, in other cities, we're going to be oh, at Omnivore yeah. in San Francisco Amazing. and now serving LA. Okay. So now serving Ken and Michelle are like our fit. Books are magic. Ugh, books are magic. I will oh. never, books are magic. If you're listening, Hopefully. I will never forget the name of your bookstore again. It is magic. Books are magic. So they'll have it mm, Oh, yeah, soon. soon. Yeah. Only in like a week. Right. Um, yeah. Now, sir, you're going to go out to L.A. to yeah. see Ken and Michelle? So we're going to be ah. in Chicago with Billy Deck at Sunda. Okay. And then we're doing like two or three visits in L.A., San Francisco. Ah. And we're going to be on, on the road for about, what, 14 days? Mix? About 14 Amazing. days. Amazing. Yeah. You guys are making my job so easy because that's usually what I ask people. Like, where can they find you? Oh, and you we can help you one more. <laughs> Miguel, you can find Miguel at Chef Migs NYC and or me at, at Nicole Ponce. Whatever you need, we got, we will help you. Okay. Okay. Her phone number is. <laughs> <laughs> so, where wh- were we? Yeah, amazing. Yes. But anyway, quick shout out to Now Serving. You yes. guys, have you been there before? No. Ah, it's, it's really, really, really good. And they have such an amazing community that they've tapped into there. And I think you will have the best time. Wow. So, I'm so happy you're visiting them. Cool. Um, yes. So, I think what would be great is um, if we could talk a little bit about kind of quote unquote, how you got here. And I know in the book, one of the most interesting parts of the essays that were at the beginning were to me, because I actually used to work in the restaurant business. So Nicole shared that she was a former advertising executive, right? And kind of started to become disillusioned with that in a way and was working at a restaurant in Soho. Mm. Give us like a time stamp on this a little bit. So it was the summer of 1920. (laughs) It was in the Mesozoic (laughs) era. Um, (laughs) uh, We're talking 2000. Okay. Uh, uh, No, no, 2007 is when um, Miguel and I met. And at this point, I've already done about 10 years of moonlighting. I was an ad exec at Day. 
So it was pushing um, Saatchi and Saatchi and um, Oil of Olay and things like that, commercials. And at night, I started off as a host and a dishwasher and uh, eventually a bartender, all the, all the different positions so that I could learn. Um, and Miguel and I wound up working at the same restaurant. Yeah. And at this point, I had been trying so desperately to find a chef from Filipino heritage who was acquainted with the food and who could join me on a journey to help push Filipino food forward. And at that time, Food Network was around. I yeah. mean, it was still about BAM right. uh, and, you know, uh, not so much the food shows, but it wasn't what it is today. Yeah. And certainly Instagram wasn't around. So chefs were romanticized, but it wasn't in any way like it is now. So right. it was hard for me to find a Filipino chef who thought this is viable. Filipino food can make it. Um, I could pay my bills with it. And there, it was a, a dearth. There, right. I, I, there weren't even resources for me to find them. If I, if I went and dug into a New Jersey newspaper and I found out the chef was Filipino, I'd take a bus to Montclair. I love, I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love that image and that tidbit and that and yeah. so was your end game always the restaurant or that was your first step that you really wanted to do mm, yes my okay. goal was a restaurant okay. I, I knew that I wanted to help change the conversation about Filipino identity it wasn't about being a restaurateur I consider myself an activist who found restaurant work as a means to help push my culture and cuisine and then Miguel and I um, worked at the same place and I was crying lamenting doing an ugly <laughs> Oprah cry in the corner and Miguel was like Yo, you know, he's very smooth. Uh, oh, so, yes. <laughs> so, so he was like, what's wrong? And I, if you, you can't see me here on the radio, but I'm doing one of these like head nods. My head nods. It's like a head upward head nod. Upward head nod, lids <laughs> just slightly closed. How can I help you? What, what do you need? <laughs> I'll let you take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw Nicole crying in the corner and approached her and. In a very smooth voice. Yes. So, uh, how can I help you? Exactly. She, you know, she wanted to open up a restaurant. And I said, well, let me give you a hand. I can help you out. And her response was, well, you're not Filipino. I said, well, I don't think I need to be Filipino in order to cook the food, in order to learn about it, in order to help you with your dream. Uh, I wanted to open up a restaurant as well. And for me, Filipino food was something that I wasn't familiar with. Uh, I probably had the same contact as most people. It's like I had a friend who knew somebody who lived across the street from a guy who dated somebody who was Filipino, and they had lumpia. Um, so I didn't know much about the food, and for me it was a great journey because I got to learn a whole different cuisine. I got to learn different ingredients. I got to play around with food that I wasn't familiar with, and then finding out throughout our travels that the food was not only not Dominican, but very similar to Dominican in many ways. Uh, a lot of Spanish influence in the food, a lot of Mexican influence, uh, slight variations on certain dishes, but caldereta was very similar to chivo guisao. Uh, afritada is our, you know, pollo salteado. And it was, it, it was a lot of fun for me. It's like being a kid in a candy store, you know? I got to play around with all these different things. And together we started uh, doing pop-ups at Nicole's apartment, bringing people in from the outside, uh, doing some R and D. Complete strangers. All you had to be was Filipino in order to get in. Okay, so you so you're you really you've tested on your on on that community. You, yeah, you, yeah, you know, it was a little bit like um, Malcolm Gladwell's <laughs> outlier, outlier and tipping point. So we put in the hours. We, I lived on South 4th in Bedford. Okay. And every weekend we practiced making a restaurant in my living room 
And if I met you in a bodega or you were a friend of a friend or literally sitting next to me and I know your ass is Filipino, I would say, would you like to come over to our restaurant? And we would create a menu and I would set up my living room as if it was like there was a four top and a two top, like lit- literally. <laughs> and um, we gained practice that way because it was very clear to me. I, I didn't know who would invest in us. Right. Or, you know, it's always a question with restaurants at that time. Do you find the money? Do you find the place? Do you find the place? Do you find the money? Like how, there was no resource in order to, to instruct us how to move forward. So I just take it. In the present moment, what do I have at my fingertips to make a dream mm-hmm. happen? And one by one, one by one, one day, right. one day at a time. And we did that for close to two years before we even did an official pop-up. And uh, yeah, the first time we did it, Miguel cooked a dish called Dinaguan, which is picture morcilla or boudinoir deconstructed into a stew. And when you cook with blood, it can really go awry. And um, Miguel, would you Just like to? Yeah. Uh, you know, during our, our R&D, there was a lot of hit and misses. And this dish in particular, Dinaguan, called for pork blood. Okay. Uh, I had never worked with pork blood before. So I went to Chinatown and got pork blood. And what I got was blood cake. So. Okay. Throughout the process of making this dish, the house smells wonderful. It's like everybody's hungry. And then I <laughs> add this pork cake to the stew, and it smelled like the bathroom had just blown up. It, it, mind you, these are uh, strangers who I'm, we had just met. These, this isn't the safety of friends. Right. So the house smells like, if you're a Filipino out there, it smelled like tae. Um, you can use your imagination what that is. T-A-E, tae. And I look at Miguel. I don't want to rain on his parade. He is attempting it. My heart is in my chest because it smells so awful. I'm looking at the guests. It's a small, confined Williamsburg apartment. And then I, I, I want to hold him gingerly because I don't want to crush, right? So I go to him and I said, Miguel, uh... Well, <laughs> I was worried because I'm like, is this what Filipino food <laughs> is? This is what, what, I what, 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 what is this? But... Uh, you know, she looked at me and we had the same look on our face, like this dish went completely wrong. And we turned to the guest and said, it's not going to happen. You know, this dish, I think, just went wrong. And you could f- see the look of relief on their face. Like, okay. <laughs> it was so palpable. <laughs> Open the window. Open the windows. All right, cool. We'll eat the other stuff. Yeah. Order a pizza. What's going on? Um, but I, uh, that was such a great example of... You get knocked down, you get back up, you separate yourself from the emotion of it or the ego of the failing, and you try it again. So I I do attribute that to Miguel because I don't know anyone else who could stand in a room, have a new cuisine, strangers, and literally brush it off his shoulders and then get up and do it the next weekend and be cool with that. You know, like, it's one thing to try, it's another thing to face failure and then get back yeah. up that again you know it, that sounds yeah. extremely mature oh um, yeah and that part kind of you know did did you Miguel when you you know saw Nicole upset you understood her you know then understood her vision was like I want to step in I want to try this like did, did you guys know that you would be good working together like did you have an instant feeling about that now you know fast forward you've been working together for many years and now you've also created a book together Mm -hmm. which we know how you know incredibly challenging that is um any like kind of advice or hints or 
you know, people are always asking, like, how do you find a good, you know, person to partner with? Or how do you know? Right. I don't know. So you guys still love each, you guys still love each other to the day you know. Okay, you don't know. You had a feeling about it. Well, one thing that I know is that, you know, it's, it's like a dance when you're dancing with somebody. You know, it's going to take a while before you get the steps and movements right. But working with Nicole, I knew she had a vision. And okay. I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to open up a restaurant as well. And I didn't want to do what everybody else was doing. I didn't want to go cook Italian food, which was what I was pursuing. This was something different. This was something out of the norm. Nobody else was doing it. And for me, it was exciting. And us two working together, we just learned how to support each other and really push each other forward. But oh. it's uh, there has been a lot of um, bloodshed in the process. Like, okay. Um, it's not roses in the, and, uh, I don't know. Like I look back on some, some of the triumphs and also what's the opposite. What is the converse of a triumph? Uh, yeah. not failure, but, uh, a defeat. So some of the, def- the, the moments of defeat yeah. and I look, I don't know how sometimes we would just get back up and go to work the next day. And I think in even just the last year, it's been about really taking stock of what we did in the last 10 years with no money, no backing, no, there's no finance here behind us. There's no, you know, institution or advisors. We've done this a lot with gut instinct and also experience and, um, and, you know, some, some angels, uh, and sometimes the defeat was so pummeling and we would get up and just go to work the next day. I don't know if that's an immigrant experience that has come up. You know how yeah. that's resilience or perseverance. I, I don't know the word, but the last year has been really like, okay, mourning those losses, really understanding what happened, and also really celebrating too. Because it's going to be a new chapter after this book is done. Like what's now, what's next, you know, so. Yeah, what is, yeah, it's. Relish in this moment, though. Yeah, it was still a lot, and I, I know I've said it before, but making a book is really, really hard. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, no idea. Oh my. You know, uh, uh, so another part of that, if I may, yeah. I don't, I don't want to usurp any of this. This is okay. we are here for you <laughs> okay. today. Okay. That's why we invited you cool. guys here. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I was probably naive. Getting going into this about, I guess, a, a responsibility about identity and mm-hmm. what this book could represent and the the uh, the carefulness yeah. and who would be involved and how who's involved helps shape that narrative yeah. and how that shapes the narrative of Filipino cuisine or us as two yeah. individuals it, it's right. very it's loaded yeah well that was something I wanted to you know to ask and something we talked about a little bit in the I'm doing air quotes green room before <laughs> before our show was like did you receive did you receive like pushback or negativity about Miguel being your chef mm. and him not being Filipino um and how do you combat that and how do you talk about that um, I have and, and you do mention, you know, m- mention that in the book. Yeah. I've talked a, a few times about what happened uh, in, ex- in expectations of people yeah. who would be behind that kitchen, who would be um, dictating literally what would be on the plate or the flavor profile. And some of it was gruff. 
Some of it was a pleasant surprise. Um, these are descriptions of people's reactions to finding Miguel behind the line. Mm. Um, one story is about a, a family who, who had a daughter who lived in New York, and she was pretty much a regular. And the next day we got a phone call and they said that they had food poisoning. So as a, as a restaurant owner, you know, you go, okay, what did you eat? Did you have this? Did you have oysters? So we can isolate what was the dish because we cook in batches. So if one person's sick, the whole freaking lot is sick. What it came down to was um, we, are, we have food poisoning because your chef, your chef is black. And uh, yeah, we're pretty much uh, food poisoned. And that was heartbreaking and wow. real, raw, uh, the R words, you know. And um, I know how I feel, but I've actually not really heard what Miguel really felt about that. Because Miguel is, uh, if you know Miguel is like, you know, broad shouldered, you know, let's go, you know, kind of guy. But I don't know if you ever internalized or thought about that, yeah. Miguel. Did you feel anything? I mean, or are you really just kind of like, fuck it? Uh, it, it was hard. Okay. It was hard to hear. Yeah. Uh, it was disappointing. I couldn't believe that it was actually happening. But for me, tell me I can't do it and I'm going to do it twice to prove you wrong. And that's the attitude that has kept me going throughout my life. You're going to run into obstacles. You're going to run into haters. You're going to run into people that are going to try to defeat you and bring you down. And you're not going to keep us down. You're not going to keep me down. I'm just going to strive. Mm. But it was very disappointing because none of nobody in the kitchen is Filipino. It's like this is a bunch of guys who love the food, learned about it, and can execute it really well. And we've been fortunate that that person who said that was you know it's one of very few the support that we've received from the community and you know both latino filipino all mixes from new york city has been wonderful mm -hmm. and they continue to support us and i say thank you to all of you yeah uh i think we learned in this journey that there are going to be people who don't like what you do the food or who's behind the kitchen and you just know that that's not your customer. That's not who you want to serve in the first place. So uh, the transparency is great in that regard because go to the other restaurant. We're not here for you. Uh, and to Miguel's point, yeah, the, the level of support we had was, so it wouldn't be on food. I felt like these two little restaurants became somewhat of an enclave for writers, for artists, for Filipinos, for a mix of generations to really discuss food and, um, you know, where they're from. It was, it was very heartwarming. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think you've alluded to or said in so many words, like you also, you know, wanted to write this book to... Um, just, you know, showcase the diversity of Filipino food and also educate people about what Filipino food is, you know, what it isn't, the history behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and why did you feel like that was necessary? Uh, well, the, the, it started with a title for me. I, okay. I came across the poem, I Am a Filipino, which was written by General Carlos Romolo in 1941. And the first paragraph spoke so much to me 
for my mission, which is I have an obligation to my past and a responsibility to the future. So this book literally is a manifestation of those lines. Like, what do we know of our food? How did we get here? What were the influences or the interlopers that influenced um, seasonings, flavors, regionality, um, religion? And so it wasn't so hard to have that come across on the page. The research was was hard and digging it because in a lot of ways Filipino food has become so um, processed in homes, meaning opening a, an envelope and adding water, um, simplified cooking. So uh, I wanted to get to the root of how did this spice get here? Um, and so the book is all of that. It is my obligation to the past and responsibility to the, to the future. And uh, I hope it is a foundation and I hope... It's not meant to be a, a, an all-being, you know, discourse, talk about it, disagree with it, tell me, you know, how it can be added so that when we create the second book, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs> Miguel's laughing really loudly. Um, <laughs> Miguel, what was the, the, the process in recipe testing and what were some of the challenges or surprises like in terms of converting, you know, maybe food that you had made in a restaurant or the, the, the way that you cook in the restaurants for the home cook and kind of what's your hope for, for the home cook? Maybe someone who's never cooked Filipino food before, like where should they start? Well, we wanted to make all the recipes very approachable. Right. Uh, it's very simple. If you read it and you put it together, anybody can put it together. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's not intimidating. What can be intimidating can be the ingredients. People who haven't used fish sauce or fermented shrimp pastes or any type of fermented product. Uh, it's, it's a learning process. And what we broke down in the book, think of those ingredients as your salt and pepper. Okay. It's what you're going to use to season the dishes. It's very simple. Okay, was there anything that that surprised? Like, is there was there anything that like that didn't work when you tried it for the home cook? Was there anything that you know really surprised you in the process of figuring out what recipes you were going to include? Did you crowdsource at all? Did you come? Did you both of you say like these are the re these are the recipes that have to be in? These are kind of like we're on a yellow light on these, or no, mm -hmm. you know we don't want this. There well, were a lot of recipes that didn't make the book okay. um, because we wanted to put so many things in. Okay. So you uh, had a lot to choose from. A lot to choose from. <laughs> what was surprising, taking it from a restaurant uh, recipe into a home cook, was I didn't realize the firepower that I have in the kitchen and the timing. So we had to make adjustments so you, know, you can cook the food in an hour instead of you know, two hours. Uh, we had a lot of firepower in the kitchen. Uh, um, I would say, you know, this has been the pro a process since 2007 of our travels. And we have gone from the most northern part of the Philippines all the way to the south. In fact, the most southern region of the Philippines is called the Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao. They're an independent state. Um, it's been featured in Vice, almost a, car a caricature of a military state. Um, sure, they're there, but they are really a, a fraction of what the whole part of that area is about. Um, I wore a hijab. I learned about the Muslim side of our culture. So when it came to creating the table of contents and really understanding how we were going to tell the tale of Filipino food through our eyes, how we mm. cook, meaning not just Filipinos, but through the eyes of Miguel and I, it became about not just soup, salads, entrees. I really wanted to approach the book about this is the Chinese connection, which is a nod to like a, a Bruce Lee film. 
right? And then this is the Muslim um, Middle Eastern connection. And then here is actually the Mexican Latino Spanish connection, which we always default to Spain with Filipinos. But right. it really is for me Mexican overarching in a lot of our cuisine. So uh, coming from that framework, it became a little bit easier to be like, okay, we have to match amount of these recipes in this chapter. So this one fills up a little bit more. So that became a, a process that was a little bit easier, but um, deciding, okay, how many recipes go yeah. in each chapter. But um, what I am happy about in the intro is we talk about mother sauces for Filipino food and this idea that... I love that because that's just so more commonly associated with French cooking. Boom, girl, boom. So I loved reading that. <laughs> so that, that was on purpose because I wanted to... Equate. I stepped into it. Thank right? you okay. so much. Thank you for, for acknowledging that because, you know, when you're in other food or uh, an, um, not, um, I don't know what the hell is the politically, what the hell, you know, Beyonce recently said in Vogue, she's like, I don't know so much, if I'm interested in politically correct conversations as much as I am respectful and compassionate. So I'm just putting it out there. I don't know what to call. I just know it's a food that hasn't translated mainstream. And so I know that I wanted to translate the food on a level that could be respected as a chef, uh, in terms of as an escoffier, you know, as a, a person who is well-read in food literature, that they could translate it and respect it that way. And thank you for saying that because that was definitely on purpose, that it might it's not French, but in our own way, we have our own mother sauces for you to learn and to hone in on. And I think for the home cook, such a, it's a wonderful way to translate the cuisine. If I nail the coconut mother base, if I nail the acidic adobo style, then perhaps I, it will open a world of a food that it's literally in my in my cupboard. It's not so hard to translate when it's put in the academic uh, way right. of looking at the right. food. Okay, so this is a perfect segue <laughs> to unfortunately our last question, but I... <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the non-matching <laughs> opposite... Outfits in this corner are having a moment right now. Oh, you threw some denim in there. Yeah, okay. If you, if I wish you could see a photo yeah. because she looks like a Jedi, <laughs> and I look. I don't want to see Darth Vader. Can yeah. we not see? No. But we are both wearing these epic, roby. She's giving me Diane Keaton via <laughs> Jedi, love, okay. and I'm giving you Stevie Nicks meets Darth Vader. On, on okay, that's funny because I always get Stevie <laughs> Nicks, so I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so last question, which you perfectly set me up for and we can lead into is for a person let's just say a person is on you know they have their they have the time space energy to make one recipe from the book at the moment what would it be for either one of you i would say the basics the Go basics okay you nicole mentioned it yesterday garlic rice okay garlic rice it's a very simple recipe but it's so impactful with everything that pairs with it in the book okay yeah i mean i could go off on another but i, I agree with miguel oh, it's a cosine uh, yeah a cosine it's garlic <laughs> rice it's uh in tagalog we would say sinangag and uh if you, there's different ways to do it you can shortcut it but the way he has it it's so perfectly constructed every single it's consistent 
So whether you have it for breakfast or lunch, have some friends over, it's a great way to say, this is a Filipino rice dish. And then, and then just go from there. It's bomb. Okay. You heard it here on Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair. Pick up Nicole's and Miguel's book, I Am a Filipino. It is on pre-order. Um, and if you want to wait again to support your local bookstore, you can grab it there too. And the garlic rice would be the thing to start with. So again, thank you so much to Nicole Ponseca and Miguel Trinidad. They are the amazing restaurateurs behind Maharlika and Jipney in the East Village and the authors of their brand new book, I Am a Filipino. So congratulations and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having Have us. Have a great day. Recommended reading is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.